And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Wow, where do we begin here? I, I hate to be that radio guy that says we've got a lot to get through, but holy smokes, we have a lot to get through. Uh, Aaron Portsline here. I'm in the, the the bowels of Nationwide Arena right now. Uh, joining me are Allison Lucan. Hello. And Tom Reed, who was already on site in Washington. That's right. Doing stretches and preparing for tomorrow's uh, game. Tom, you may get snowed in because they're expected. That a would big be one wonderful. Oh, God. Big one. Here we go. Uh, it's, I mean, where do we start here? Bobrovsky, Nash, <laughs> Felino. Uh, let's just do brushstrokes first, and then we'll get into the into the goods. Um, Rick Nash has announced his retirement today. The the Blue Jackets former captain. Probably the best known player to have ever dressed and played for the uh, franchise, at least here in Columbus. Uh, Sergei Bobrovsky is back and apparently in good favor with the team. He met with the team this morning, uh, 11 a.m. meeting, 12 o'clock practice. The meeting went on long enough. Apparently it drifted into a players only meeting after it was an entire team meeting at the start. And Bob was on the ice about three minutes late. The meeting went so long that it 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 uh, it, it kept him from being on time because goalies have a lot of gear to put on. So he came onto the ice at about 12.03 for a 12 o'clock practice, did a fist bump with J.F. Barube, who then skated off the ice and skated his way back to AHL Cleveland. Life is not fair sometimes. Um and here we are. Uh, another great moment last night in the Blue Jackets 4-3 overtime win over Nashville was the return of Nick Foligno. Uh, let's go first to Bob. Back in good graces. Um, let's see where this goes. But w- what do you guys make? You you've saw his quotes today. He made a statement. Uh, didn't really apologize, but basically said I was not a a great teammate. I always pride myself on this and I'm looking forward to moving on now. Of course, everyone's always looking forward to moving on. Uh, Is this going to be an easy move on from here? Uh, Allison, you were there as Bob spoke today with me. What, what, uh, 
you make of this situation? What did you make of his words and his body language today at practice? Yeah, I, I, first, I think, it, well, it was it was the second time we've had a, a session with Bob start off with a prepared statement this season. Yes. Um, I, I do think this was not as, as much negative energy as we had in that first one um, For sure. by, by any means. Um, I, I think that... Um, he probably does feel remorse. I think that what he said about the what happened not being the kind of player he wants to be. It, my read on him, the little that we know him off ice, is that's true. Um, I think he doesn't want to have bad energy between he and his teammates. But I, I, I don't know that he's thrilled to be in the situation he's in there was obviously something that upset him enough so to break um who he wants to be as a player and an athlete um and i think while he you know he did say it was not anything to do with john tortorella i think it's clear that they've seen things differently um he talked about how he does believe that tortorella makes the decisions he makes for the betterment of the team but that some people agree with that and some people don't um yes so I, I, I want to be clear. I don't think, again, I do not think I'll take the words of the team and, and the player that I don't think this was between those two specifically, but I think it's, they're not, they're not going to go out and have coffee anytime soon. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Now, no, no one has reported yet that I'm aware of what exactly Bob did, what this incident as the team called it, what exactly it was. I'm of the mind, Tom, you've been around pro sports a long time as well. This had to elevate to a certain level for the team to not only discipline him, but to do so publicly. Um, and uh, they didn't technically suspend him, but they basically banished him from the rink for a day, day and a half and said, you know, come back tomorrow and be ready to talk about it. Thoughts on, on just on that and how unusual this situation is. And it, it does speak no matter how much people tr- Bob and the team tried to say otherwise. It does speak to a larger issue here between the two sides. Yeah, we were talking, Aaron, you and I were talking yesterday. We're trying to put our heads together and figure out, I mean, you've covered the team since its inception, how many times something like this happened. Now, we we do have last year with Brandon Dubinsky in in Las Vegas when he was sent home. uh, But even that didn't elevate to the team publicly shaming him. Uh, no, yeah, right. Yeah. And then I think Gregory Campbell, but that was something completely different where he just wasn't, he didn't, didn't want to report to the Tomorrow. minor leagues. Correct. And, and I don't think we could come up with anything else. Uh, and then of course, you know, I think we talked about this last night uh, on our, on our video, the one that we actually made it through without laughing <laughs> was that, um, you know, overarching over all this is just this whole it's weird season with Bob knowing that it could be his last one here. And we all, everyone fans remember how he came into camp and the, the, this kind of the salvo he fired right away. And that's, that's all been there this, this whole season, even though it's been in the background and, and Bob's kind of, you know, at times played a lot better. I think he just recently won a player of the week award in the NHL. So right. I think when, when he's playing well, it kind of goes, into the background, but it's always been there. It's always been there. And maybe it's in, in some ways been amazing that they were able to get this far without something publicly totally. coming out. Totally. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I mean, there's all sorts of, of, you know, pieces and parts and possibilities to all of this. He has a no move clause. Oh, yeah. Right. 
is the team I asked Yarmo Kekalina today, have you asked him to waive his no move clause? No comment. Um, you know, I, I think you run into dangerous area if you start jumping uh, to conclusions about what that means. But is he not willing to move his no move? And is the team frustrated by this because they'd like to get something for their marquee goaltender on his way out of town? Um Look, the relationship between the Blue Jackets and Paul Theofanis, the agent for Sergei Bobrovsky, it has been, I don't think toxic is, is overstating things. They, they don't get along at all. The relationship between the player and the team has always been better than the relationship between the, the <coughs> agent and the player. Um, but you just wonder what sort of stuff is going on behind the scenes. I mean, what could Bob have done to uh, the stuff goes on behind the scenes all the time? I think of the stuff we've heard about after the fact years later about players that did stuff. They were disciplined. And what that meant is they were they were out of the lineup for a night and the whole world knew they had a groin injury instead of actually did something wrong. This was that's just a different animal for me. And and hopefully we'll find out what it is. Hopefully it's not anything too dastardly, but uh, Bob met with the team today, apologized, and appears that everybody, uh, at least for now, is going to put on a happy face and act like everything's cool. No word if Bob starts Saturday in Washington, um, but uh, something to watch the rest of the way. We've got six weeks or so until the NHL trade deadline. Um Anything else we need to say about that, guys? I, I think it's for it's in the best interest of everybody. In Bob, in the Blue Jackets, I don't I, – just the, the, what you laid out there, Aaron, I don't see them trading him. And I don't see – I don't necessarily thinking that the that his representatives are going to do the Blue Jackets any favors if they wanted to trade him. Correct. That's I fair. I think it's in everyone's best interest to do – to be as professional about this as possible. It Obviously, if Bob plays well down the stretch, it's going to help him in his next contract. If if Bob plays well down the stretch, maybe the Blue Jackets not just get in, but finally could maybe win around if he played really well. So it is, I think, in everyone's best interest to try to f- take the high road here if possible. Yeah, and it appears that they're trying to do that. Uh, the agent Paul Theophanis has not been um, has not been willing to comment. So it's all coming from the Blue Jackets, and not not much is really coming from there either. Um, so with all this going on the, these last 48 hours, uh, today we wake up to news that that uh, Rick Nash, the Blue Jackets' former number one overall pick in, in 2002, and I think arguably the best player to have played for the franchise, I, I, you know, Fedorov, sure, but while he was here, um, I, I think Nash has a legacy here unlike pretty much any other player. Um and I think back to I, Todd Sherrock, the PR uh, VP of the Blue Jackets today, popped up a picture <laughs> of Rick Nash on the day oh. that he traded him. I think his intent was to show how young Rick Nash was. Right. As uh, a few noticed, my God, Sherrock, look how young you were. Yep. Um, we all had a good chuckle there. <clears throat> but I have always been, I think I've probably expressed this before, I've always been amazed at these kids that they draft, these Pierre-Luc Dubois like this, uh, Wierenski was certainly like this. 
these guys that they drafted 18 years old who just know how to handle the situation they're in. And Rick Nash, just uh, almost above anybody else they've dealt with, was never, the moment was never too big for him. Like he was always right, hey, this is what I do. Almost like he was, he had been preparing f- to be doing what he was doing uh, for his entire life. And he carried this franchise on his broad shoulders for so many years when the talent uh, around him just was not there, where the seasons were hopeless by Thanksgiving. And I've said this a few times. I don't think I've, I've articulated it yet uh, clearly, but I think the appreciation for him and the way that he's viewed in this city by Blue Jackets fans, on the most part, for the most part, is so big and so grand that even the way that he left town, uh, he did request a trade. It did get a little dicey and ugly there on his way out of town in 2012. But even with all of that stuff, there's still room uh, for all of that stuff underneath all of the other stuff to ultimately be an appreciation for him. And I, I think what saves Rick Nash is that there were a lot of fans in 2012 that were like, pal, I'm jumping off the bandwagon here too. Yeah. Like I can barely take it as a fan. I can't imagine enduring that as a player. Um, I, he is, I don't, I don't, he doesn't have hall of fame numbers. I don't think, but I think he's got numbers, uh, retired Jersey number to the rafter type numbers. We'll get to that in just a second. But Allison, you follow this team for a long time. Let's go to, to you first. Just your thoughts on Rick Nash and, and how you'll remember him and how he should be remembered here. Yeah, I mean, I think that it, to have a player like that, particularly during those dark, dark years for this franchise, someone, as you said, who who was willing to buy in to be the face of the franchise, not just the player on the ice. And and I think what, what stuck and what extends that goodwill too is this is this is a man who's made Columbus his home even after he left Columbus the team right, right. He's, he still lives here his children are here his brother is a coach um, in the chiller program and is an excellent um, part of the community as well I think that you know for this fan base for this city to see someone who also <laughs> chose to love the city and stay here meant a great deal and I think that it, it, even in a fun way now, too, even after Nash left, he's part of the franchise. I mean, Tom wrote that great piece last summer of, of how the trade really started galvanizing what was going on here. And then, heck, he comes back and even and gets in a little tussle with Calvert and Bob. And, and that's part of the lore of Rick Nash as well. And I think he's just he's not in a loud, obnoxious way, but he is so woven into the fabric of who this organization is. Um I think I still – you don't see him as much, but you still see Nash jerseys around. And, and I think that tells you something. And you're about to see more of them, I would think. Uh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Tom, thoughts? Well, first of all, and I think you may have reported this, and I think you even tweeted this morning. You know, one of the, one of the many sad – not many sad things, but there are some sad things involved with the, with the whole concussion issue and, and, and everything. <clears> that that he, if, Had he been healthy – uh, I I think that the the organization you know trade deadline coming up he may have come back and played his final year or years in Columbus I think there was a mutual you know this maybe more than 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 we do but there seemed to be a mutual interest that possibly he could have finished his yeah. career here and that would have been that would have been wonderful 
Um, the other thing I was, was uh, talking with Doug McLean today for a story you're going to be working on at some point. He was just saying this guy was a Rocket Richard Award winner as I don't know if a teenager or early twenties on an expansion franchise. Yeah. I mean, just think about that. Think about the, you know, to, to not, not just do it as a young kid, but to do it on an expansion franchise where it's just kind of a mishmash of people. And he was so good and he was so fun to watch. And there were so many great highlights, but, but the other thing that I, I guess I think about, and, and, and I, I think that, um, Allison brought up a good point and mentioned it here too, was that, you know, in coming and going, in, when I say when being drafted by the Blue Jackets and then departing for the Rangers, you know, he changed the fortunes of this franchise twice. And in both cases, it ended up being positive. Now, the second time it wasn't necessarily, you know, he wasn't trying to do that. But the, the team then, you know, the team that we know now really comes out of that trade. Uh, Dubinsky and then some other things that happened that summer. But when, if Nash doesn't leave, maybe they don't make some of those other moves. And so there, there are very few athletes. And I, the, the one that I, strikes me is Mario Lemieux. He basically saved the Penguins franchise twice. Now, that's right. obviously a different level. But Rick Nash really has had a, a very positive impact on this franchise. And as Allison said, the fact that he is, is, continues to call Columbus home, I think, really speaks uh, very, very much, uh, speaks a lot for what he thinks about this city. And and so we, we must say this too that he is retiring as you noted Tom. Um, I think he still wants to play. I think he would still want to play if he were 100% healthy. But he is still having um, concussion issues from a concussion suffered last March. Uh, so we're talking almost a full calendar year here. I think as as people who are um, older and away from the game, it's easier for us to say. But I I think this is a really good day for Rick Nash because I. It, the idea of him needing a year almost for his head to clear and somehow the people allow, around him allowing him to come back and play again would have just, I think, been devastating. And I don't know how you guys feel about that, but it, it sure feels to me like like this was the right decision. And, and in chatting with him in, in recent days, um, I may have, I don't know, stepped a little beyond the player-reporter relationship and said you know i i hate to say this and don't take it the wrong way but i would be worried sick if you came back and played he said i take it the right way i appreciate it and then you know i i don't know what's happened in the last five days to move it along but i i i feel a lot better about this situation knowing that that kid with a very young family um has a chance at, at least to feel better and stay that way now rather than to keep playing yeah i mean i, I you know and i've talked before about one of my soapboxes being brain health and, and brain injury with, with these athletes. And just last night, TJ Oshie got pulled again. You know, I mean, how many times has that guy been pulled off the ice by spotters or, or of zone Scary. board? And, and, you know, he said it was a, a quote um, from Isabel uh, in DC, you know, where he said, you know, I know that they pulled me off, but I passed the test. I, you know, I wanted to get back out there. I didn't want to not be out there. And we we hear that maybe the league hasn't been as thorough in educating these players as to the risks as maybe they could be. And these are also young kids who feel invincible. Right. Yep. Um, sure. But, uh, it, yeah, I mean, any professional athlete retires at such a young age relative to the scope of their whole life that 
it is just so important. I mean, I know everyone has dreams and goals and these are the best of the best, but at the end of the day, I'd rather each of these young men and women have long productive lives than a Stanley cup every year and, and, and not be able to remember it five years from now. Yes. Right. The sad thing is a lot of these guys don't know what to do with themselves because they've just always done hockey. Right. And I talked to a former player today who's, who's busy with, with the team now and he said, I, I just can't imagine not coming to the rink. I come sure. to the rink and it just gets, it gets, gets quiet and it's like a little sanctuary. And it's just been such a part of my life. I can't imagine not doing this. Like, what do you do? And this guy's, this guy has retired. So <clears throat> here's the million dollar question. Um, Rick Nash, number 61, should it hang in the rafters of Nationwide Arena? I say, I say yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I want to just dovetail off of uh, expand on what my answer here there and then also dovetail off what Allison just said. In March, I think the, the Blue Jackets played in Boston. And by then, Rick Nash had been traded from the Rangers to Boston. And uh, a player that also plays for the Bruins is Sean Corrali from Columbus. Uh, yep. I think most most of our listeners out there know Sean is from Dublin kid. And uh, Rick Nash was Sean's idol growing up. One of his idols growing up. He had a Nash jersey, Nash stick, everything Nash. Uh, just because of his connections, I think with Connor Murphy, who was able to kind of hang around the locker room and see Nash and this and that. And when you're talking about putting a jersey up in a city that that really didn't have a whole lot of hockey tradition other than minor leagues, uh, what Rick Nash has meant to this community and and what he's done for this community and raised the profile was on the team that made the first playoff run in 2009 and has meant so much to the city of yeah of course his number should should go up there i i don't think there's any question about it and with the the, the last part of that of the story about going there in march was that was the day the day that i went to go see rick and, and sean i spoke to sean and rick practiced and came off the ice and had to go to a doctor's appointment and Aaron, you and I remember talking about this, that, that the team kind of was like, hey, just so you know, Rick got some bad news. And we're thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, is there something wrong with his family or any, or any of his kids or his wife? And it was the news that, that he had suffered another concussion. And so good for him. Good for him that he's retired. I mean, he's had a gr- wonderful career, was able to get to a Stanley Cup playoff, win some playoff series, had a great career here. Uh, and this, as you said, this is a, this is a happy day. This is a good day. Yeah. Allison 61 flying in the rafters. Yeah. I, I <clears throat> it's funny. My answer is yes. With a caveat that I think that oh. everyone who comes after him will be required to achieve so much more, if that makes sense. Because as, as yeah. Tom, as Tom talked about Nash isn't in theory, if the Jackets do what the Jackets want to do, the fact that Nash holds all the records up for this franchise is not going to be true in five years, 10 years, right? Because as great as he was, and we talked about the Rocket Richard Award, those weren't great teams, you know? So sure. we hope that there are better, much better achievements ahead for players that play in Columbus. But the symbolism of what Rick Nash did in the context of, of 
where he was playing and when he was playing. And, and again, everything we've talked about in terms of his meaning to hockey in Columbus and Columbus and the fans of Columbus, I, I think he goes up and I think he goes up first. Yeah. And I, I just remember this story time. You're talking about the impact he had on Corrali. I want to say it was Carson Meyer, but it was a local player. I think it was. It was a local player that's, that started showing up um, at the um, off-season skates. So, like, when the players start to skate again in August. And he couldn't believe he was on the ice with Rick Nash, A. <laughs> but, B, Rick Nash started up a conversation and knew he was from Columbus and said to him, where do you live? And he said, well, I live, you know, here and I live here. And Nash said, oh, I, I go through there on the way here. I'll just pick you up. There's, you know, there's wow. no reason for both to drive. <laughs> and I said, geez, what are those conversations like? And he said, well, they're pretty one way for like the first three trips. Cause like, what am I going to say to Rick Nash? But like, that's the kind of stuff like he, even when he wasn't, cause he was a ranger at the time, even when he wasn't a blue jacket, he still cared about Columbus and Columbus hockey. Right. Which is a pretty cool thing. So, uh, congrats to Rick Nash on a fantastic career. You'll be reading uh, much more about him on the athletic site here in the next couple of days. Um, and, and another heartfelt story last night. First of all, a great game last night. The Blue Jackets uh, win 4-3 in overtime over the Predators. That was a hell of a hockey game. Um, and the entertainment value was off the charts. Blue Jackets, uh, it's up one nothing. They lose the one nothing lead. Blue Jackets up 3-1. to one. They lose the 3-1 lead, and then they come back in overtime with, of course, a power play goal. <laughs> of course, they scored two power play goals, and they win. But sort of the undercurrent of the whole night was the return of Captain Nick Felino after four games away from the team um, to be with his, his daughter and family while his daughter had surgery and recovered from uh, the heart surgery. And he was pretty emotional, and it got to him pretty good last night when the crowd there's always a smattering of applause when the starting lineups are announced. There was quite a roar when when Felina was announced as the starting uh, forward at left wing. Um, and he said it gave him chills, which I, I believe him. he was really kind of emotional and happy. You could just feel the joy in that man in, in being back among his people, as you will. Um, Allison, paint the you, you, you stood beside him morning and night as he as he spoke and just talked about his, what was your, what was your overarching uh, feel of, of the man and in, in the moment? Yeah. I mean, I think that it, it, and Nick, Nick is always really good in spending his time and talking with us and, and not, you know, falling back on the same six sayings that, that get made fun of in terms of hockey cliches, but right. the genuineness to him, particularly in the morning, um, he, he took time to, to go around and acknowledge each of us, for, for sending well wishes and thanked us for our support um, during the time. And I, I think that, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit last night too, but this is a man who's grown up in hockey. This is a man who, who lives in hockey and this is his second family. And I think it meant so much to him. It meant much to him to be able to be back with his second family because of what that says about the state of his primary family and the health of his young daughter and I think that in times like these, even for those of us who've, who've had different experiences, that, you know, there's that saying, you find out who your friends are, who comes through, who steps up. And I we don't know specifics, but I get the sense that how Nick felt 
in terms of being supported by his teammates meant the world to him as well and just cemented that that second family for him and all that came together and the team got a win so I think all the pieces came together in probably one of the the best stories possible Rick Nash Tom Reed on Nick Foligno I'm getting my Ricks and my Nicks confused Aaron yeah. McCann yes yeah please um I I think that um well, first, I would encourage people to go ahead and, and, and read your story on the athletic website today, uh, just about uh, of, of his entire day and how emotional it was. And my goodness, man, it just played like his socks were on fire out there the entire game. Uh, his line was by far, far and away their best line. And I, I just think that the game meant so much to him. You could see it uh, when there was a penalty late in the game. It was actually early in the third period. And I think we all kind of thought it was kind of a marginal call on on, uh, on Anderson. Uh, ended up hitting, I think it was Matthias Ekholm in front of the net. And yes. uh, Ekholm goes, <laughs> kind of goes Neymar and goes down really easy and draws the penalty. And, oh, my goodness, I don't think I've ever seen, maybe only one other time have I ever seen Felino so I rated an official and uh, he had some, some good comments about, it, but that game really meant a lot to him last night. You could tell it, it was, it was a big game, obviously, because the, the team needed it coming off that four, nothing loss. And they, they want to start beating quality opponents, but you could tell it meant it just that much more given the, given the context of his last couple of weeks. Yeah, for sure. Now it has been such a, um, just a crazy Stretch here for these guys, the Bob stuff, the Felino stuff. I mean, how do you think this team gets itself together? They, all they do is play the Metro leading team and uh, tomorrow at Washington. Never easy. They were great last night. So maybe none of this stuff even matters or maybe it helps them with their focus. But I mean, are, do, are they going to be they've held it together to their credit this long? We've I think six weeks till the trade deadline. What do you guys see is, is just in the grand scope of things here the rest of the way in terms of them being able to hold it together? Just how distracting all of this is, is going to be um, from here to the time when roster is set on February 25. Tom? Allison? Oh, me? Okay. Um. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll do the moderation around here. <laughs> <laughs> Better than Tom last night. My goodness. Just kidding, Tom. Um, yeah, I mean, it's. I, I'm not surprised that they played – together as a unit well last night right or wrong you can have a galvanizing moment right after adversity um i I think that it's also helpful that the team now goes on the road even though it's for a short time because that kind of challenges them all to be around each other and maybe force through any lingering energy that needs to be forced through rather than they come to the rink they go home they come to the rink they go home and stuff festers Right. Um, if what Bobrovsky said today is true, and there's no reason to think it's not, I think that this group has shown they can lock back into that state of, of getting through it. And I think if they can continue to get wins, you know, I said three points out of these three games here would be a success. Um, that also eliminates another possible source of frustration. So I, I think that they can push through. They've shown us they can. But if more and more cracks start to show I, I worry how steep the slope becomes yep that's fair Tom any thoughts 
No, I would agree. I think for the most part, Brett has been a very good citizen through all this. So there's been days. I, I, I don't know if he's been quite as dynamic as he seemed to be all of last year, but that's maybe understandable too, given what he's kind of going through. I think he's been fine. He just, he seems like a guy that if you, if you just watched him on most nights, you would have, or listen, well, he doesn't really talk to us. So I was going to say, if you listen to what he says, but he doesn't seem, he doesn't seem like, boy, I can't wait to get out of here. And by not being that way, I think it does help the rest of the room. Like, okay, he's still here. He's still here. And I think it will start to show it, it will have to, I think with him, as we get close to the trade deadline, I still don't think Bob can be traded. I think Bob's going to be here after the trade deadline. Yeah. I think this is more going to be about Artemi Panarin as we get one or two weeks out. And boy, you know, that's the other thing after last night, it was such a, for, for the fans and for the team and for Tortorella, who, by the way, did get a 600th win. It's a All nice right. win. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, my goodness, two great shots by him. I mean, that's what, like, that's what you're going to be missing. You're going to be missing that guy who can, who can change a game with one moment of magic. And uh, he, he delivered two last night. Yeah, very well said. Two power play goals. I'm not sure we thought we'd see that again this year. <laughs> the rest of the season, you mean? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, guys, thanks for your time. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. A lot to get through. Uh, I think we did an okay job. Almost 40 minutes. Good God. Um, Allison Lucan, Tom Reed, Aaron Portson here saying thank you for listening. Uh, and uh, keep checking out the site because we'll keep pouring some some uh, hopefully interesting stuff out there for you to read. Thanks for sticking with us and we will talk to you soon. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.